verses 8 through 12 today. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. And if you have a, a subsection in your Bible, uh, like, like mine does, and, and like most Bibles do, you'll see that the subsection says, suffering for righteousness' uh, sake. And um, try saying that three times real fast. Um, I, I want to say, suffering for righteousness' snake. I want to put an N on it, but it's for sake. Um, this is going to be a very encouraging uh, part of the book from here on out all the way through uh, chapter 5 and helping us to deal with uh, our sufferings in life, especially those sufferings that come from uh, persecution uh, for our faith. And uh, here in verse 8 it says, Finally, all of you uh, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Uh, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. That's the word of the Lord. Amen. So uh, I have some questions for you as we get started uh, here today. Uh, these questions are, are, are intended for you to engage your mind and to answer these questions in, inside your own head. And to think about some of these situations as I ask, as I ask these questions. Uh, first of all, the first question I have is, have you ever been persecuted uh, for your beliefs as a Christian? And I use the term persecuted to where someone is, is physically, mentally, emotionally attacking you uh, for your beliefs. And, and the outcome of that attack is not a desirable outcome. So have you ever been persecuted for your beliefs as a Christian? Uh, second question, have uh, you ever wondered if God actually sees the injustice that has that is done toward you. Um, have you ever wondered that? Do you ever do you ever sit there and think, man, does does God know what's happening to me? Does He understand? Um, third question: Do you ever think the situation is grossly unfair? I think we can all say yeah to that. Whenever we're not being treated right, we think, wait, this is unfair. This it's happening to me now. It's different when it happens to somebody else. Now it's happening to me. So then, therefore, this is unfair. And sometimes we also think when it happens to someone we love that it's unfair. And then the fourth question is this. Do you ever wonder if God will make right everything that is wrong with the situation? Will, will God vindicate me in some way, uh, fashion, or form? Uh, so I'm willing to bet that everyone in here can answer yes uh, to those questions. And maybe it's something that you're currently dealing with right now. This may not be something that, that has only happened in the past, but maybe something that you are staring right in the face and that you're dealing with right now. So if these questions have ever troubled you, I'd like to say that uh, 1 Peter chapter 3 all the way to chapter 5 is, is going to be very edifying for you. Uh, because we're going to spend some time talking about this as we, as we walk through the final chapters of uh, 1 Peter. So this needs to be the place where you're reading and, and studying 
because I think you're going to benefit a lot here if you're going through some persecution for your faith and your beliefs. Um, here's a simple fact. No one, no one likes to suffer. We, we don't sign up for that. We sign up for other things, but we don't sign up for suffering. Um, if someone is passing out some money, we sign up for that, right? No, no strings attached, sign me up for that. If someone is passing out desserts, sign me up for that. No strings attached, I'll take that. Someone is, suffer, is, is, is passing out a platter of suffering, it's like, oh, no, thank you, I'll pass. And I think we all feel that way. But the thing is, is that in this life, uh, we are called to suffer, and I'm talking about us as Christians. Uh, the Lord said that uh, in this life, we will have trouble. And yeah, we need to take heart because he's overcome the world, but we cannot forget the fact that we will have trouble. Uh, we have to remember that. So even though we do not like to suffer, it's a part of life. And suffering for righteousness' sake is also a part of the Christian life. We're going to suffer because of the name of Christ. Our Lord and Savior, he suffered. So then, therefore, if we are to follow him, we are also going to suffer. So, even though no one likes to suffer, especially when the suffering is unwarranted, uh, we as Christians, we must follow the example of Christ. As we see him endure the suffering of the cross and everything else that he dealt with. And we must trust God through the process. I think we forget about that many times that that just like everything else in life, <clears throat> suffering and, and, and turmoil and, and going through tough times, those are all a process as well. There's a beginning and there's an end. Even though we don't see the end right before us, I promise there's an end to it. Uh, even if you don't experience the end of that suffering completely on this side of heaven, on the other side of heaven, there is an end to it. Right? That's the hope that we have, and, and that's the, the hope that God has placed on our hearts, and that's the promise that he has given us. That although we will suffer here on earth, uh, the place that he has prepared for us, there is no more suffering. There is no more crying. There is no more pain. There is no more sin. There's only us, an eternal relationship with God. That's all there is. And all the old things have passed away, the new things have come. We have something great to look forward to but let's talk about the here and now the here and now can be tough and if if we ourselves aren't suffering then we need to think about those who are who are suffering for for the gospel um we have christian brothers and sisters throughout the world that are suffering in ways that we couldn't imagine and we need to continue to remember them and pray for them and and do what we can to help them because it is what the church is supposed to do so yes it is a process and through this process and, and we're coming to the sermon summary here uh, through this process as Christians we should remain confident while enduring persecution because the eyes of the Lord are upon us all right let me rephrase let me not rephrase that but let me repeat that uh, so that you can you can know where we're headed with this sermon. As Christians, we should remain confident while enduring persecution because the eyes of the Lord are upon us. That, that, I get that out of verse 12, where here it says the eyes of the Lord are upon us. And that's a, 
that's a quote from Psalm 34 that Peter uses. Psalm 34, by the way, I, I read it when we opened the service. It's, I, I hate to say it's my favorite psalm, but it's up there. It's definitely up there. It's helped me through some tough times. And so I, I, I love uh, this psalm, and I think that this verse is especially deep and meaningful. Because depending on the way you look at this verse, uh, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. The, depending on how you look at that verse, it could be uh, the most dreadful passage you've ever heard, or it could be the most encouraging passage you've ever heard. And what I mean by dreadful is that we know that the Lord is uh, omnipotent. He, he's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He knows all. Um, so we know those two things about him, and we also know that he's omnipresent. He is everywhere. And, and for him to have his eyes upon us means that he sees your wickedness. He sees the sins that you have. Uh, the Bible even says that he sees down to the evil desires of your heart. Uh, he knows your thoughts. And to me, and that, that's for everybody, to me that is a dreadful thought that a holy God knows my sinful nature. He knows me completely. Uh, he knows me completely. Now the encouraging part behind that is that he sees the, the wickedness of others and what they have done to you, and he also knows your suffering. So as I said, depending on what way you're looking at it, uh, that passage could be fear, uh, dreadful or encouraging. Now, when we talk about the, uh, uh, the initial situation, the dreadful situation, you see, as a Christian, you have come to know that, that the, ho the holy God, our holy God, sees us for who we are. And, and there must be something done about that. We must answer to God for who we are. So we have all, if we're Christians today, we have all been there. We have lived in fear of God. And it has caused us to tremble knowing that we are an open book before a holy God. Now, in response to that, if you're a Christian today, in response to that, that means you ran to Christ and you now you are basking in the purity and the security of his atoning death on, on the cross for you. Because we know, again, we're an open book. God knows all. So then, therefore, we need something to shield us. We need something to cover our sin. We need something to take it away, however you want to phrase it. And we know that only place is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we ran to the cross and we said, Lord, I, I can't be the perfect uh, creation. I cannot be the perfect creature, rather, that God wants me to be. So then, therefore, I need your blood to cleanse me. So we take care of that. That is alleviated whenever we, we, go, to, uh, we go to the cross and we beg for forgiveness and we uh, repent of our sins. So the dread has gone away. Now, as we look at this verse, it becomes encouraging to us. It becomes encouraging to the Christian because we know it, he sees the wickedness that is done uh, to us by others. And we also know that he, uh, that he knows our suffering. See, that, when we are encouraged, it gives us hope that God sees the injustice done towards us and he will take care of us and he will repay accordingly. The Bible says that vengeance is the Lord's. It's not, it's not ours. That he will repay. 
So then therefore we don't have to do it. What we have to do and what the Bible calls us to do is to trust and obey. Now, since the eyes of the Lord are upon you, we have to understand this, that we have to act in an upright manner when enduring persecution. We have to, we have to do that. We are called to that. Um, this is the time where we want to kind of take off our Christianity. I, I've been there plenty of times. When someone attacks you, it's like, okay, hold on. Let me just take this off real quick. Let me go set it in the corner over here, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to have a conversation with you. That, that's kind of what you want to do. Uh, sometimes people attack you so aggressively that you don't want to even want to take the time to take it off slowly. You just want to rip it off and then you want to you want to get started. But that's not the way we are, are, are told. That's not the way we are taught. Rather, in the Bible, we are not taught to respond in the flesh, but rather we are told to walk in the spirit. The flesh wants to take vengeance. The spirit waits upon God. And we trust in him. So we are to uh, act in an upright manner. Why? Because the eyes of the Lord are upon us. And also, we are to take courage and know that God is faithful. Why? Because the, Lord, the eyes of the Lord are upon us. It, it, it helps us both in, in, in how we respond uh, to persecution, how we act towards someone who's persecuting us, and also in our faith as well we we need to learn to trust god even in times even when we're being attacked verses eight and nine i want to read read those and then talk about them it says finally all of you have unity of mind sympathy brotherly love a tender heart and a humble mind do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling but on the contrary bless uh, for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing now, this verse here, I think, is, is, is important. And I like to call this verse a pivot verse. If anyone's ever played basketball, you have a pivot foot, right? And that pivot foot, you can, you can move around on that pivot foot. You can move back and forward. I've got to be careful because I'll knock everything down here. But back and forward, you can pivot around so you can see the court. You can see people around you. You can have access to passes. Uh, sometimes if you pivot correctly, that'll lead to a shot. A bunch of different things that that can do. In, in the sport of basketball. Uh, the reason why I call it a pivot verse is because it connects us with what Peter already said and then what he's about to say. So it's, it's very versatile. It, it, it's, it's back and forth. Um, it, he closes out a thought here. And the thought that Peter is closing out is the thought that, uh, that he had on submission. We just got through walking through all that in chapter 2, how we're supposed to submit to the governing authorities, uh, we're supposed to submit to those who are superior to us, and then we're supposed to submit to uh, those in, in our family relationships. Uh, so he talks about submission, and then he, he talks about submission, but also uh, he's talking about how sometimes when you submit to those authorities above you that you are mistreated. And he's bringing in this verse to remind people that even though you are uh, submitting and mistreated, it doesn't give you the the, the uh, excuse not to submit, right? Because we learned last week that we submit out of reverence for Christ. It's not if that person deserves it or not, it's out of reverence for Christ. Okay, so he talks about that, but then with this same verse, 8 through, eight through 9, or 8 through 12, the verses we're talking about today, he prepares the reader to discuss suffering for righteousness, uh, righteousness' sake. 
uh, Peter recognizes that Christians, they suffer for many reasons. For, for many, many reasons. Um, their faith can be attacked by the governing authorities. We've seen that before. We've experienced that. Uh, our faith can be attacked by our superiors. And also, unfortunately, and most damaging is that our faith can even be attacked by members of our own families. And we have all experienced that from time to time. So it comes from us in many ways. And then we can speak to the fact that our faith is attacked by unbelievers that we associate with as well. So what Peter's getting at here is he's getting to the Christian response. He's, he's focusing on our response, our duty. And he says the Christian response to persecution should be unity, sympathy, brotherly love, tender heart, and a humble mind. That's difficult. That's difficult. But I like the way he puts it together. When I looked at that list, I said, wow, what's unique about this list? Well, first of all, I noticed that unity, sympathy, and brotherly love those are things that are done to us, are done for us. And I thought, wow, how important is the church in our life? Because we all have different things in our lives that we are dealing with. And when we talk about persecution, we could have different situations where we are being persecuted because of our faith. And in those times, we need the church. We need our brothers and sisters in Christ. Why do we need them? We need them because there's unity there. There's a, 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 a unity in the way we think. There is a unity in the way and the hope that we have. So there is unity, and that unity helps us. There's strength in numbers. Also, we need sympathy. We need to get it from someone because we ain't getting it from the people who are attacking us. So we need sympathy. We need that brother or sister to come by and, and, and put their hand around us to say it's going to be okay and to remind us of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. So we need unity, we need sympathy, and we also need brotherly love. So, so as we see these things, we need to look at these things as the things that the church must give to the one who is being persecuted to encourage them. Now, this doesn't only apply to us in here because I think primarily it does. It's important for us to watch over each other, watch after each other, any way you want to put it, because we are a, a, a close-knit family here, but this not only stays here within our local body, but it extends to the whole body of Christ, his whole church. So when we know that there is an injustice, when we see something and we can do something about it, we need to act. And, and let me just say this, and we'll get, we're going to talk about this a little bit more here in a minute, but there is always something we can do. Because we have the blessing of prayer. We can go to the Lord in prayer. So we need to remember that. But as a church, we need to look at God's universal church. We need to see uh, his whole kingdom, his whole church, 
And we need to have unity and sympathy and brotherly love to those who are being persecuted for their faith. Now, the last two I thought were very important as well. But the tender heart and also a humble mind, I, I, I see how these speak to uh, the actual person who is being persecuted. Uh, to have a tender heart. When I saw a tender heart, I was reminded of when I first started um, uh, pastoring. A little over 10 years ago, I had uh, a man approach me. He heard that this was going to be the first church that I was going to pastor. And he said, I have some words of wisdom for you. I said, okay, I'll take anything I can get right now because I have no idea what I'm doing. He said, great. He said, "Um, I want you to, when, when people come against you, to know that they're really coming against the position and not you. I said, okay, that's, that's good. That's helpful, I think. And then he said, also, as people come against you through the years, I want you to maintain a tender heart while having tough skin. And I said, wow, that makes a lot of sense. The tough skin is going to protect you from the attacks that you're going to get, but the tender heart is going to allow you to continue to minister to those who are attacking you. Like, wow, yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. And I, even to this day, I, I, I try to use it, and I, and I pass it on. Laramie, David, Lee, Brother Eric, anyone that I have a chance to talk to and, 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 is, and is in pastoral care, I, I tell them, you have to have tough skin and a tender heart. It's so important in ministry. So when Paul talks about a tender heart and a humble mind, it, it, again, it is what is needed from the believer enduring persecution to stay committed to holiness and also uh, stay committed to the faith. You see, from a, uh, from a human perspective, as we look at these things that Paul, that, excuse me, that Peter is calling us to, uh, from a human perspective, what Peter says here. It seems kind of radical, right? Because that's not, that's just not our initial response. It seems radical. Like, just out of this world, like, you expect me to do that? And the Bible is very clear. Yes, I, God expects you to do it. And it seems radical, especially when we understand the situation of these early believers. We think we are going through some things. Well, let me tell you, um, it's recorded that the, the suffering of these believers, it is recorded in history that, that Nero, the emperor Nero, did some awful things to these Christians. Um, he, he, for example, here are a couple of things. Um, he would burn Christians alive and use them as torches to light his garden. That, that's, that's what he uh, thought about Christians, and that's what he, he thought about 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 the sanctity of the body. Uh, even after they were, they were dead, he desecrated the bodies and used them as torches just so that he could have light in his gardens. Also, he fed them to animals for public entertainment. It wasn't just something privately that he did. He openly did it. He openly fed these Christians to wild animals. Uh, he murdered thousands of the, of the Christians in Rome. And to these people, these, the, the, the people that, that are suffering this persecution, Peter says, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. 
For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Awesome. It's, it's, it's awesome. You can see, you can, you can hear God's word in that, right? Because it is God's word, but you can, you, rather, you can hear God's voice in that. It's just an awesome, awesome truth. And we see that exemplified in the way Christ responded to those who persecuted him. See, even though these words seem radical to us, we must know that this is what God calls us to. Peter's words here, they are in in line with the teachings of Christ. Christ said, you have heard it said, or you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You see, the reason why I bring up the word radical, because again, from a human perspective, this is like radical grace. We're like, man, there is grace and then there is this, this is radical grace. This is, this is the top that you can get. You can't get any more than this. This is radical. God, it's just grace. It's grace. There's nothing radical about it. To God, it's grace. And and the reason why I say that is because he's not commanding us to do anything he hasn't already done for us. Why? Because the Bible says that we were saved by grace through faith, and it was a gift from God. At one time or another, you and I were enemies of God. He gave us grace. We were enemies of him. We, we, to the best of our creature ability, we thought we fought against him. We thought it was him against us. And all the while, he had already ordained that he would give us grace. You see, grace is unwarranted favor. And a perfect example of it, our description of it, is found in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. And it says this, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Remember what I said about grace? We were enemies of his. We were ungodly, but yet Christ died for the ungodly. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Again, that was Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. My friends, that is grace. That is what God has done for us. He's not asking us to do something radical. He's asking us to do something We need to remember that. We are to imitate God in persecution and bless those who curse us. Again, I bring up prayer. What better way to follow the example of Christ and pray for them while the persecution is being done towards you? Remember, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. 
I think if we take the time to pray for the person who is persecuting us, it, it, it takes care of a lot of our anger issues. Because especially if we pray in the right manner. We have to pray with a humble mind. That's what Peter says, right? We have to maintain a humble mind. We have to realize that we were once enemies of God. We were once sinners. We deserved death, but God gave us grace. We didn't listen just like this person doesn't listen. We thought we knew it all just like this person knows it all. Yet God forgave us. Because I, I know how it is. Many times our prayers are fix that person, God. That person needs to be fixed. Right? We go to the Lord and it's like, I need you to fix the situation. I need you to fix the person. I need you to make things right. And we forget about the number one thing we should be praying for. Change my heart, O oh Lord. And, and, and prayer does so much to help us in that area, to remind us that we are no better than anyone else and we needed grace and that person needs grace as well. Believe me, I'm not preaching at you. I, I deal with this as well. This was a great sermon for me to prepare this week because there are some things in my own personal life that I'm dealing with um, in, in the area of persecution. And, and there were some anger issues there and, and this verse just kind of crumbled up my, my spirit. Made me realize that I need to repent in that area of my life. So, so this is the question I have. After reading the verse, I was thinking through, I was trying to, how, again, this is a very hard sermon to preach because it seems like it's just, I'm asking you to do something that is impossible. And I'm, I'm thinking, how, how can I give God's people, uh, how can I give them something that is applicable, something that they can go and do? How can I, how can I make this seem possible? So that's the question I had. How is it possible for us to extend grace to someone who is persecuting us? Well, here we go. Now we come full circle. According to this passage, we can extend grace to our persecutors because of two reasons. Number one, we can extend grace to our persecutor uh, because this is what we were called to. It's very simple. Peter says in, in verse 9, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called. What does that mean, we were called? Well, it means that you were commanded by God. You were commanded by God to do this. There are plenty of people in here that know Pastor Thale, and uh, there are some of you who don't. But Pastor Thale used to uh, pastor this church. Uh, he pastored this church faithfully for many years. Uh, great, great friend of many of ours uh, uh, and, and respected pastor. And I, I sometimes some of the things we all know, like he had these catchphrases for certain things. And some of those catchphrases come back to me uh, in life sometimes. But I'm reminded of when he used to say, if God is calling you to it, he'll see you through it. I, I, I know for those who have, were sitting under Pastor Thales preaching for a while will remember that. If God is calling you to it, he'll see you through it. I thought about that and I said, man, this really applies here. 
If God has called you to not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, the only way that we can be obedient to that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. So if God is calling us to it, in other words, he's going to, he's, he's equipping us. But we make the decision, are we going to respond in the spirit or are we going to respond in the flesh? Um, are we going to walk in the spirit of grace or instead are we going to walk in the, the flesh of vengeance? Are we going to get ours? Are we going to make it right ourselves? I really think that the intent of this passage points to it, it, it makes us examine ourselves if we trust God or not. Reason number two, we see in verse 12, it says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. Brothers and sisters, I can't tell you there's nothing more encouraging to know that um, more encouraging to know than the fact that the eyes of the Lord are upon us. And also that he cares for us. He cares for us. Look, God is not a God who set things in motion, backed up, and abandoned his creation. And everything is left to chance. That, that is not the God we serve. That is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible, through his providence, works things out for his glory. He is involved in every details of our lives. He is imminent. That means he is near us, nearer than anybody can ever, ever be. He knows our thoughts. He knows our longings. He knows our worries. He knows our sufferings. He knows it all. And he cares. There's, there's one thing to know it all, but it's another thing to care. And he cares for us like no one else does. You know, when we were children, I, I remember feeling secure in the presence of my, of my mother. I remember being real little, and, and, and even to this day, my family members were bringing it up. I, I, I did not like to be out of my mother's sight. And I just remember hovering around her. It's like, okay, she's over there. Okay, I, I can go this far. If I go around the corner, you better believe I'm going to come around and make sure she can see me and I can see her. There was just security there. there was, I felt secure being within eyesight. And many of us can, can relate where we feel secure to be within the eyesight of our mother and father as we were children. Because we knew that if something happened, they would be right there. How much more secure should we feel with God? Because listen, our parents, even though they loved us, they still didn't love us anywhere close to where God loves us. And even though our parents did a great job watching over us, they did it with limitations. But God watches over us and has no limitations. He is not bound by time, space, power, or anything else. And the Bible tells us that he is working things out for our good, which is according to his glory. 
Now, because of this, because the eyes of the Lord are upon us, because of this, you and I, we can take courage. That no matter who is against us, no matter what they do to us, he is there for us. I don't know about you, but this brings encouragement and hope to my heart. I hope it does for you. So, those two things are enough to enable us to be able to forgive those who hate us, to pray for those who hate us, and to forgive those who persecute us. See, trusting God through persecution, I didn't say it was easy. It's not easy. Especially depending on what exactly it is that you are going through. It's not easy. That's why Peter is writing this letter. That's why he's reminding these Christians that they don't need to pay, repay evil for evil. Instead, we must support each other by being like-minded, by expressing sympathy and showing brotherly love to one another. That's what we need to be doing as a church, but as individuals, we, we must remember that we have to have tough skin. Tough skin is, that's not a trait many people have nowadays. Because we talk about getting offended a lot. There's a lot of talk about getting offended some tough skin because no matter what we can't change people's opinion about us but we can sure control how we minister to them so as an individual we must have tough skin but a tender heart and we must also keep a humble mind knowing that we who were once enemies of God are now his children but most of all most of all, if you leave with anything today, I want you to leave with this and remember this. Let's not forget that the Lord is with us. And he will never forsake us. He is our God. That means a lot. Let us pray.